0: Thank you that their sacrifice mimics his. We pray for them today. Would you bless them physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Keep them all the days of their life encouraged and honored. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? Amen. One more time. Give these gentlemen a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service, brother. Thank you for your service. Amen. Right. <laughs> Love you, man. Love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Love you guys. Amen. There they are, guys. It's this uh, I, uh a thing that I love to do. Um, I, I, my dad was in the Army, uh, three combat tours in Vietnam. My father spent, and uh, I have his Bronze Star and Purple Heart in my office. If you've never seen one and would like to see that, I can sure give you a tour of that for sure. Um, <clears throat> so, um, Dad, if you're watching, I love you too, and if you're ever here, you can get all the coffee you want. So, it's on me. Um, Anyway, uh, it's a good day. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. So good. All right, um, I'll encourage you if you're out and you see, uh, you know, uh, service men and women out. Bless them any way you can. If nothing else, just walking up and saying thank you for your service. I love that. Uh, I remember my wife and I were in a restaurant and. Um, I was competing with unknown customers in the restaurant <laughs> to try and buy lunch for some, uh, uh, some servicemen who were in there. And uh, who, whoever, I don't know, it was almost like an auction. We were trying to auction off between us. The waitress would keep coming back and saying, someone, someone outbid you. I don't know what to tell you, right? Like um, Anyway, uh, it's so much fun um, and to be able to give honor. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about today. I think it's highly appropriate Uh, following a Veterans Day celebration this week and today to to talk about something uh, that I've titled Giving Honor. And so I want you to turn with me in 2 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verse 1. Now, Matt preached last week. Let's give God a hand for that. Wasn't that excellent, right? I love that our eldership team is ready to go. Uh, My wife and I had to go. As you're turning to 2 Samuel, um, uh, thank you for praying for us. Uh, we also want to say thank you for all the past appreciation cards that you gave, and my wife and I spent the afternoon reading through them, and the gifts and things that were in there, and, and we had planned at the end of this sermon series uh, to take a weekend off and go away together, and that was going to be 18, 19, 20, 21, and Matt was supposed to preach that weekend, and my uncle passed away uh, suddenly, and I called Matt, and we just changed it up. But my wife and I had planned to take some of those gifts that had been given to us for pastor appreciation, the finances, and just go away for the weekend and, and have some downtime before we started the Christmas sermon series. And uh, when my, my uncle passed away, uh, we had to change those plans. And um, it was a little disappointing to have to change those plans, but it was exciting to go see my family and those things. And then it was a little disappointing. Let me just tell you about how God works. Uh, that the money that we had set aside for that weekend, we had to spend to go to Florida. And if you know anything right now, gas prices and motel rooms are not what they used to be uh, a year ago, for sure. Um, and, and so, but we looked at it at this. We said, God is sovereign. God knew. Amen? He knew. And so he provided in those moments. And so we went and did that. Thank you for allowing us to do that. Um, and... Um, when we got back, we thought, okay, well, I'll just finish up the sermon series on the date that Matt was supposed to. We're going right into Christmas, and we've had a little break, you know, just driving to Florida and back, and uh, those things. And, but there's still something in your heart, isn't there? That you're like, ah, we had, you know, plans. How many of you get disappointed when plans fall apart, right? Like, come on. Everybody's human. But God was sovereign, and you just move on, right? And... Um, I checked my mailbox on Tuesday when I got back. Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember which day it was. No, it was Thursday. Yeah, it was... It had to be Friday. Yeah, Thursday. It didn't matter. One of the days last week, I checked my mailbox while I was here at work, and there was an envelope in my mailbox. Just said, Don and Lisa. Had no signature. Had no, I don't know who you are. Uh, but... I opened up that envelope, and there was cash inside of it. Now, what you don't know is the cash that was inside of that envelope to the penny was the money we spent to go to Florida and back. Come on. Like, I texted my wife, I'm like, do you know anything about this? And then I sent her a picture of the handwriting, I was like, whose handwriting is this? And she said, I, I don't know. So, from the bottom of my heart, Whoever that was and all of you, thank you. God is sovereign and um, never underestimate that God will take care of you. And even in your disappointments, God will meet you if you give honor. And so what a blessing. Can Can I just read you a scripture this morning? I want to talk about David and Mephibosheth. Come on. And we're in children children's stories uh, series here, and uh, I want to talk about this children's story. Let me just read it to you. David said, uh, chapter, uh, 2 Samuel Chapter 9, verse 1, David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Zibia, and they called uh, uh, him to David, and, and king said to him, Are you Zibia? And he said, I'm your servant. And the king said, Is there still not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God to him. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. Now, how did David not know this? Him and Jonathan were such good friends. Come on. He said, There's still a son of Jonathan, which had been a grandson of Saul, the, the rightful blood heir to the throne. He's crippled in his feet. And the king said, where is he? Zebeus so said to the king, he's in the house of at the son of Emil at Lodabar. And the king David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell on his feet and paid homage. He's basically groveling because he thinks he's about to die. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold, I'm your servant. And David said to him, do not fear. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father. And you shall eat at my table. And he paid homage and he said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Zibia Saul's servant and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Well, who's going to eat the food that they bring in? Think about this. Now, Zibia had 15 sons, 20 servants... And Zibia said to the king, according to all that my Lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. Hello, somebody. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. Important. And all who lived in Zibia's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always. Everybody say always at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, I thought about how I would set this up for you for the children's story part of it, right? Like, this is part of it. Watch this video real quick here. Watch this video real quick here.
1: Was his name. His nurse dropped him when he was small, and his legs were broken, and he was lame. David's servants found out when the
0: Phibosheth was
1: hiding.
0: He was brought before
1: David, but in sight he was shaking. John, your father, was a beautiful
0: man. Don't be afraid of Phibosheth. David said, You will inherit your father's lands. Your servants will work the ground bake your bread. But you, Mephibosheth, will eat with me. Like my own son, you will be. David kept his promise to Jonathan's heir. Mephibosheth remained under David's care. Thanks for watching. To see more videos on King David, click the playlist. To stay updated with our Bible stories, hit subscribe. children's story. But as you know, God has been encouraging us to go deeper. God has been encouraging us to sink our spirit into what he's really doing here. I'm going to be honest, one of my favorite stories of the Old Testament. It is absolutely one of my favorite stories because in the Old Testament, it, it is oftentimes difficult to find the grace of God. But here we see God's grace in such a powerful way. We see God demonstrating his grace to someone who doesn't deserve it, someone who's not worthy of it, someone who has to be sought out for it. Come on, church. David David remembers Jonathan and his promise. And he finds out that Jonathan had a son, Mephibosheth, that who, and who, who is crippled in his legs. Now, so the king brings him in, and he allows him to sit at his table in his crippled state. I need you to grab a hold of this in the Bible story. What you, what you might not understand is, see, my question is, how did David not know about Jonathan's son? He was his close friend. How did he not know he had a son? If they were that close, how did he not know? And so I guarantee you that there were other people who did not know. But you know how it is when you meet people for the first time. Instantly, there is a judgment. Instantly, there is a identity that's given to them in your mind. Instantly, you kind of place them. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many people would meet Mephibosheth for the first time and see his crippled legs and go, "Well, he's not. There's not much he can do. He's pretty helpless. He's he's not. He's not going to amount to much." But David brings Mephibosheth into his house, and he sets him at his table. He pushes his crippled legs under the table of the king, and many people would come in and sit at that table. And the first thing they would see was the son of Jonathan, a friend of David, not a man who is crippled. Under the table of the king's grace, David is hiding his broken all. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. David is establishing a different identity for him. This is the greatest illustration of grace you're going to see in the Old Testament. Come on preached about this a lot over the years and 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 I've, I've preached but i need you to grab a hold of this there's some there's some meanings to the name here mephibosheth means idol breaker that's important for you to remember it means idol breaker and when we break the idols in our life then our life can produce a micka Mica means godlikeness. oh come on somebody Mephibosheth has a son and names him God's likeness. You see, it's idols in our life that keep us from living in God likeness. It's idols in our life that keep us, amen, from being able to be like God. It's idols in our life that keep us from being able to produce God likeness so the world can see. See, here's the deal. Sometimes we have embraced an identity about ourselves because someone else did something to us. And we've owned that, and that thing has become an idol to us, and we wonder why we can't produce God-likeness. Now this morning, I don't want to deal with this crippledness, because I didn't come to find out here this morning if any of you are crippled. I already know that a lot of us are lived in a crippled condition. Come on, we' all human. I'm not here to demean your pain. I'm not here to condemn your crippled state. What I want to deal with is why, 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 Mephibosheth ended up crippled. Well, no church. So here's the question: Why did the grandson of a king end up handicapped and broken? How is that possible? How is that possible? You see, 2 Samuel tells us that the, when the news came that Saul and Jonathan died in the same day. They're dead. The news came. Mephibosheth's nanny was, was afraid that they two were next. That he's going to die. She's going to die. Because if they killed Saul and Jonathan, they're after the whole family. They're going to come and get him. And so she scoops up this little boy in her arms, and in her fear, she begins to run. In her haste, she begins to run and she drops him and it crushes his legs. Get this scene in your mind. Here is this unsuspecting, innocent little boy minding his own business. He is scooped up and then dropped into brokenness and pain. He becomes crippled because someone else mishandled him. He becomes crippled not because of what he did, not because of who he is, not because of his own actions, not because of his own thought process. He becomes crippled because someone else mishandled him. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Because many of us come from situations and experiences that have caused us to arrive at this place right here this morning, listening to this message crippled because someone else mishandled us. Oh, come on, you know Pastor Don's not afraid to preach to you about your own actions. But I also don't want to be silly enough to realize that some of us are suffering, not of our own fault. Some of us have embraced an identity because someone else mishandled us. Some of us have been walking in something because of what someone else did to us. And like Mephibosheth, we can testify to being mishandled and how that situation has produced an altering and devastating pain in our life. Maybe it was your mom or your dad. Come on, we've all had our parents say unkind things to us. For whatever reason, maybe, maybe it was a relationship. Maybe you're a husband or a wife and your spouse mishandled you. And you find yourself crippled now because of young people. You know how Pastor Don feels about boyfriends and girlfriends and not Biblical. Y'all parents didn't help me. I thought I'd get some help from the parents. Y'all didn't help me. I, I expected a big ol' amen. Dating at your age is just divorce practice. That's why you shouldn't do it. Courting is incredibly different. I need to move on because... But maybe you've tried this dating scene as a young person and a boyfriend or a girlfriend mishandled you. And now you, you've owned something. You've been broken. Maybe a boss man, maybe a relative, maybe, maybe something has happened in your life. And you're Crushed. You sit here today and you've experienced abuse and neglect. You've experienced uh, uh, hurt and pain. And, And when you look in the mirror, what you see is a cripple. It could have been malicious. It could have been on purpose. It could have happened even in good intentions. Mephibosheth's nanny didn't intend to hurt him. She was trying to save him. but it doesn't hinder the fact or it doesn't bring or or do away with the fact that no matter whether it was on purpose or whether it wasn't with good intentions, we still find ourselves wounded or hurt or crippled because someone else mishandled us. Maybe as a spiritual leader in your life. And now you're no longer whole. You're no longer victorious. You find yourself a victim because you are mishandled. You remember a couple of weeks ago I told you to knock all that nonsense off on Facebook? Social media makes being a victim so much more popular than being a victor. Knock that mess off. I see people posting and all they want is attention. All they want is attention. They don't want to get better from their issue. They don't want, it. They want people to go, oh, I'm so sorry for you. you. You know, they want people to give them permission to stay a victim. There's not a person in this room who hasn't been mishandled. Not a person listening who hasn't been mishandled. There's not a person here who hasn't suffered, struggled because of something. Every one of us can relate to this guy. But it's just a children's story, so relax. Mephibosheth's response is incredible here. All I know about him, all I know about him is this. From the time he was five, until he was a grown man, he dwelled in a place called Lodabar. Now... As a young boy, he didn't have any choice but to live there because that he 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 is in charge of his life. And plus now he's a cripple and, and so he's totally dependent on everyone else around him. But when he grows up to be a full-grown man, he's still living in Lodabar. Lodabar means a it means a place of no word. It means a place of no pasture. It mean, it means barren. As a young boy, he has no choice but to live in this barren place. But as he grows older, he's still living in a barren place. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. He makes a choice to stay in a dry land, a place where there's no word. He could have gone anywhere. He could have left that place and gone anywhere as a grown man. He could have lived in the caves. He could have lived anywhere else. As a matter of fact, if, if, if our thinking is correct, and it is, that what kings who take over a throne that aren't proper to the bloodline, of the inheritance of that throne, what they would do is they would kill the family of the inheritance of that throne, so no, that throne so no one else could challenge their position. And so rightfully so, in his mind, he's hiding from David. If he finds out I'm here, he's going to kill me. I'm the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan, the bloodline to the throne. He's going to kill me, and I can't save myself. I'm crippled. But he, he's, he's only 50 miles away from where David's at. He's not very far at all. He could have, he could have left away, but he didn't. He stayed in a dry place. He allowed his handicap, his condition, his crippled legs to keep him in a place where there was no fruit, no life and no word. "Oh, I'm helping you." The truth is, he didn't live in Lo-debar because he was mishandled. He lived in Lo-debar because he chose to. Now I realize, come on church, I realize that you've been mishandled. I realize that you've been hurt. I realize that you've been dropped. I realize that you've been betrayed. Come on church. But where's the rule that says we need to stay there? Where is the rule that says I need to stay? How many times I get my feelings? Listen, I'm the pastor. I'm the only one in this place who can't get my feelings hurt. I am the only one here who can't get offended. What's wrong with being offended? Let me ask you this question What's wrong with being offended? Oh, oh, I'm offended. Somebody needs to pay for that. When I grew up, you know what they used to tell me? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but you know what that says? What's wrong with being offended? When we get to be adults, it gets gets flipped. Oh, yeah. I'm the only one in this building who can't get offended. Do you know how many times I get my feelings hurt? And then I read the scripture and I see Jesus addressed John the Baptist who had been mishandled. Come on, somebody. And had had every reason to move to a dry place. And you know what he said to John? Blessed is he who's not offended in me. Oh, my aching back. Many of us are in a dry place right now. A place where there's no word. A place where we've been mishandled. A place where we've been hurt. And the truth is... every one of us make a choice to live where we want to oh. where's the rule that says i have to stay there see we've adopted the thing that gets us most attention and most likes We're never victorious. I refuse to be a victim. Does that mean this bad stuff isn't going to happen to me? No, it's going to happen. But I refuse to be there. I may have a day where I live in the mully grubs. That's a southern word. Y'all get that later. There's days when I'm discouraged. And, you know, I'm just pouting and throwing a pity party at my wife. You know, blessed prophet that she is. She just looks at me and goes, get over it. I'm like, that hurt my feelings. And she said, so? You're supposed to be on my side. I am on your side. Grow up. Wow. You know what happens here? People tell you that. The first thing you do is run to social media because, you know, everybody on there don't know the whole story. <laughs> oh, man. Pat, I'm a, can I, where's my box? I need to step on it. They're not ready, Breno. They're not ready. You know they don't know the whole story. And you don't tell them the whole story because you want to be a victim. I'm not saying you're not hurt. I'm not saying you're not wounded. But I'm saying where's the rule? You have to stay there. Somebody did what they did. They mishandled you, but nobody else is going to mishandle me. I'm responsible now for who I am. Amen? I'm going, to, I'm going to live in a place where I can find life and grow. I'm not going to live in a dry place that continues to provide nothing for me and so I go nowhere. That's not who God called me to be. We live in a broken world. No one is sheltered from brokenness. See what happened to you makes you want to shrivel up, it makes you want to curl up, it makes you want to withdraw. And so when you do that, you disqualify yourself. Mephibosheth was still the grandson of Saul. Nothing could change that. He was still royalty. Come on, nothing could change that. It didn't matter if his legs worked or not. It did not matter. He was the grandson of a king, the son of a prince. Nothing changed that. I have been hurt. You have been hurt. We have all been hurt. We've been crushed. And you know what we do? We use that crushing and that pain to excuse us from serving. I can't. I can't. I can't serve. Look at me. I can't serve. I'm broken. I can't serve. I'm too young. I can't serve. I don't have a good enough education. I can't serve. Somebody hurt my feelings. How many times has somebody hurt your feelings on the way to church and what you wanted to do on a Sunday morning is turn around and go home instead of show up? Every Sunday for me. Listen, this preacher is here to tell you this morning in the little bit of time that I have is you don't have to live in Lodabar. Crippled, yes, but you don't have to stay where there's no word. Crippled, yes, but you don't have to stay where there's no fruit. Crippled, yes, you don't have to stay where it's barren. you got to make a choice to allow what has happened to you either to send you to a dry place or you can throw down your crutches and come into the presence of the king and let him restore you. He made a choice, and in his choice, David says, Wait, why, why are you afraid? The king says, why are you afraid? I'm crippled. Why are you afraid? I'm worth nothing. Why are you groveling? Because I'm nobody. Why, why are you on the floor like that? Because someone hurt me. Someone wounded me. And David's like, stop that. Stop that. The king looks at him and says, stop living in fear. Oh, oh. That'd be a scary moment for this young man. Come on. Because he knew what David could do to him. But David says... You're going to sit at my table, not only today, not only next week, but next year and all the years that follow Hello, somebody. I'm going, I'm going to cover your crippleness. I'm going to make sure that when people meet you, they understand who you are. You are the son of a king. I'm going to make sure that you have plenty and that you have enough. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to restore the land that was taken away. You remember David and his armies fought against Saul and his armies until David defeats them all. So David gets all of that. And David's like, hey, 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 hey. Somebody draw me a map. What belongs to him? And he said, I'm going to give, not only am I going, I can't work that. Look at me, I'm crippled. I can't deal with that. Look at me, I'm crippled. That's going to do me no good. And David's like, no worries. I got you. Come on, church. See, some of you have been so mishandled, you've forgotten that God's got you. Some of you have been so neglected, so abused, you've forgotten that God's got you. And he said, hey, Zibia, come here. Here's what you're going to do. You and your boys and all your servants, you work for him now. You're going to bake his bread, you're going to work his crops, you're going to work his field, you're going to bring in all of the fruit from everything he owns. But he ain't eating none of it. Because he's eating where I eat every day. What's Mephibosheth going to do with all this stuff? In a moment in time, because of the grace of God, even though he had been mishandled, Even though he had been neglected and abused all his life, in a moment and a time, God took a man who had nothing to even give himself and turned him into a man who was going to have plenty to give up. I can't preach to y'all. I can't even help myself. Now I get to be a man who helps others. I've been so wounded and so crippled, I couldn't do anything for me. But now, all of a sudden, because of what the king did for me, he's turned my crippledness into something for his glory, and he's using me for his honor. And just like the king, now I'm going to be a provider for all of those around me. Come on, some of y'all not hearing me this morning. I'm here to tell you and to tell this church and everybody who's listening, I want you to grab... I know, I know, I know it's just a children's story, so y'all need to Relax. But I want you to understand that in spite of being mishandled, in spite of being mishandled, God has invited you to his table. Come on. Some of us sit in here and the worst things that could have ever happened to us has happened. And it happens over and over and over and over again. And we don't seem like we can ever break out of this cycle we just seem like no matter how many times we try to drag ourselves up, we always fall back down. That's what a cripple does. But in order for Mephibosheth to be successful, he had to receive what the king was giving him. And let me tell you something. Divorced person in this room, Let me tell you something, struggling marriage in this room. Let me tell you something, some of you who've been wounded so badly. Some of you ladies who've been abused in most incredible ways. Let me tell you something, addict, who just can't seem to get over it. You listen to me and you listen to me good. The king invites you to his table, not because he's unaware of your struggle, but because he knows it. David did not have to give grace that day, and I am sure there are some people in the background whispering, what's he, "What's he doing that for? He doesn't have to do that. Does he know who that person is? Look how broken they are. Look how they don't smell very. Come on, he didn't dress really good when he came into the king's presence. What is he? He doesn't deserve that. I am sure there are some people in the background speaking about Mephibosheth. You know what? The king decides what he wants to do with his grace nobody putting this in the idea of David. That's not the story. Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. I read the story as David said, Hey, somebody tell me who's left. We, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I can see some of y'all. See, this is the way Facebook works. Some of y'all go, Hey, I'm looking for this. Does anybody have it? Does anybody know about this person or that person? And then somebody down in the comments says, Hey, Zibia knows. Bring Zibia to me. Zibia Who's left? Well, I mean, there's like it's not it's not much. I, I mean, I don't know what you want me to tell you, King. But anyway, about fifty miles over there, there's a guy, Jonathan's son. Can you? I mean, David's gotta be shocked. Wait, what? It's one of those. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. I didn't know Jonathan had a living son. Who? I can tell you right there, if I'd have been the king of that moment, somebody in that room would have got chewed out. How do I not know? Did you, Zibia, you knew and you didn't tell me? God is inviting us to his table. Not only that, church, not only that for you, I, I, I want to speak to you who have been mishandled. Not only is he inviting you to his table, he is making a way for provision in your life, not to just lift you out of your crippled state, but to allow you to be used for his glory and for his honor. I hope this sits in your spirit so good today. This story is one of my favorite. You want me to tell you why? Because it points towards the relationship between God and us. David's relationship with Mephibosheth is a reflection of God's relationship with us. Who among us? Who among us has not been mishandled? Come on. Who among us hasn't been dealt a card, a hand of cards that we wish we had a different hand? You can either live in that place And stay dry the rest of your life. Or you can receive the invitation from the king. And I want to encourage you this morning. Young people, if you hadn't been hurt, you're going to be. It's just the world we live in. Decide right now whose table you're going to sit at. Some of you who have been living in an excuse. God has given you an invitation. Decide right now which table you're going to sit at. There is nothing you can do about being mishandled. It happened. But there's everything I can do. Come on. About what happens next. You get that church. I can't do a thing today to change yesterday. But everything I do today can change tomorrow. All of us have a story. And the books that could be written about every story that's in this room or even listen on online would be bestsellers. The truth of the matter is, many people don't even know about your woundedness and your mishandling because you've been ashamed to share it. And so you've lived in a private prison, thinking that your fate is what you deserved. The king is inviting you to his table. And he's showing us that this relationship is incredible. As I look at this event, I can't help but to think what God has done for me. God made a promise to me. And he was determined to keep it. Jesus shared that promise while he was talking to Nicodemus. I'm just going to tell you, in the, in the movie The Chosen, I think it's season one, episode six or something, I can't remember which, where Jesus and Nicodemus are on the rooftop. It will wreck you. It will wreck you. I, I can't tell you how many times I put it in, I was like, rewind, 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 and you know, ten minutes, I, I probably sat there half a day rewatching this ten minutes, and I'm just like, Nicodemus was like meeting Mary and and she's full of demons and he thought only God can save her. And then he's standing on the rooftop and he's recounting the story. I said only God could save her and here you are. Oh, I just was like I about fell out the chair. Here you stand. We see so many people looking for how to divide us today. You, you better understand that they're, the world, the enemy's plan is division. That's why Jesus said, how, how can a house stand that's divided? He speaks about division. And when you see the world trying to divide people, that's the hand of a demonic activity. Refuse to accept it. Don't be part of that. Don't be part of accepting that that is the way it should be. Democrat, Republican, rich or poor, white, black, brown, yellow, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Next time someone starts to divide us by race, You just remind them that it was a black man who carried the cross for Jesus. It was a black man who carried the cross for a Jewish man. I got got no time for the nonsense. I got no time for it. Because it's a distraction about the Father's business that we should be about. And it causes us to live in victimhood. And that's got to stop. And if the church doesn't stand up, come on. This is time. This is time. This is time. And it's never been a greater time. It's never been a greater time. We have gloried in the fact that as the body of Christ, we live in the last days. And all of a sudden, last day events start happening. And last day suffering starts happening. And we're the first people to whine. What did you think it was going to look like? You should stir your soul because that means the soon return of Jesus is coming. Come on, he's coming. He's coming and one day that Galilean leg's going to step out on the cloud and he's going to shout, glory, glory. I can't help you. I can't help you. What did Mephibosheth do to deserve the grace that David gave him? Absolutely nothing. And the same is true for me and you. What have we done to deserve the grace of God? Come on. What did we? nothing. Nothing. And for all those people who want to criticize me and try and disqualify me from my past, the only question I have from them is how did you escape? Cuz you and I both know you didn't. How did you escape? I once was. But now I I once was crippled, but now I sit at the king's table. I once had nothing to eat, but now I eat the king's food. I once had no identity, but now I'm known as the son of a king. Y'all not, I can't, I got to stop. Mephibosheth could have turned him down. Yeah? Sure he could have. He could have decided that he didn't trust David. And refused to come. And he would have missed out. On all the benefits. This morning in this place. You have that choice too. You have that choice too. I am not trying to belittle. Your mishandling. But let me tell you something all the counseling and the good advice in the world is nothing compared to accepting the invitation of Jesus to sit at the king's table. In a moment and in an instant, my life was changed. I was an angry young man, neglected and thrown away, abused, addicted. And in 1992, under an old gospel tent, steadying, my meat coat on as I'd worked all day in the butcher shop blood stains all over it I met Jesus come on my wife was leaving my kids were going come on I was crippled I was, I, I was, I was crippled some of it was my own doing but a lot of it was a reflection of I didn't know how to act any other way because I had been mishandled I didn't know how to act like anything else other than a cripple and that night come on in a moment God changed my life and all I did was sit down at the table will you stand with me in this place I'm not against counseling. I'm not against it. But I'm just telling you right now, there's nothing that will change your life like an encounter with Jesus Christ. There's nothing that will renew your mind like the water, the washing of the word of God. There's nothing that will touch your soul like an infilling of the spirit of God. There's nothing that will radically change you and cause you to embrace what God wants to do with you like accepting an invitation. And so this morning, This altar is open. I know it's just a children's story. But if you are ready, come on, if you're ready, whatever mishandling happened to you, I want you to come and understand you don't have to grovel at the feet of a king. You're coming to receive his embrace so this altar is open as we sing this song. Just come and do some business with God. No one's going to judge you because every one of us in here has been mishandled. Come on, church. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. in Hallelujah.
0: Victory is about surrender. What a victory is about surrender. It is if you surrender to the right person, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's about surrender. God, sometimes you dig deep into our life to plant a seed. God, I just pray that right now this word of God would come. That you would protect it. Protect it from the hand of the enemy. Sink it deep down inside of us, God, where you can't get to it. Protect it from the world, God, that would choke it out. God, let it come and produce in our life fruit that you want it to. We are sons and daughters of the King, invited to His table, regardless of how we've been mishandled. You establish our worth, God, through Your grace. And in this place today, we receive it by faith. We look forward to hear and feel and see the results of the Word of God in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. You've been invited!
1: i